Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 383 of After the Whistle, presented by Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino. Nothing else comes close. Merry Christmas, everybody. How was your Christmas, Riv? The Christmas was excellent. Excellent. Um, just love having everybody, all the kids home from uh, from college and uh, everything else. Um it was exciting. It was really, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, a lot of laughs and, uh, you know, just getting together. The only thing that, the only thing I don't like is just not having snow on Christmas. I'm, you know, some people out there are just not snow people. They, they would rather not have snow at all. Um, I love the four seasons and when it's snow time, you know, where I grew up, uh, in North Bay, Ontario, we had snow in, in October, late October. It was a winter wonderland up, up North in October. And we're sitting here going into the new year and there is no sign. Do you remember what it was like October. last year here? Yes, it was. It, I said to my kids when we were looking outside and uh, you know, my, my younger ones, all, all the kids went outside like put the snow pants on, like I'm talking like 18 year old, 14 year old. Uh, they were all outside. They loved it. It was a winter wonderland. It was one of the greatest Christmas I've had in a long time. And it, uh, largely because of that snow and just being outside in the fresh air and cold. And I loved it, but uh, I couldn't disagree with you more on that. Cause I went outside yeah. this year and it was 52 degrees and blue sky. And I had my moccasins on. I can't get any more Canadian than that, but I had my moccasins on and I, I was so happy. I was so happy that there was not a drop of snow on the ground. And I love snow at Christmas time. It's almost really? mandatory for me. Yeah. But in order so what, to, to enjoy, like, even like when you get you're like getting a, older though, eh? Well, it's like, you're it's not older. an age thing. It's not a, I, it's not a yeah, I I don't know. snow thing. Last year was a fucking disaster. Last year was a disaster. Christmas was ruined for so many people. There was so much snow. It was just, it was an absolute disaster. So this year I was actually grateful that I was going to be able to get to and from the places I needed to go with the sunroof open. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even yeah. kidding when I say that. It was 50 plus degrees. And, and in December, 50 plus degrees feels like 90 and I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. And I'm going to be completely honest when I say this. Okay. There's something I've learned about myself over the past 10 years. Well, wow. I guess since Brody's been old enough to be into the Santa thing. So maybe four or five years old before they really understand, you know, and get into the magic of Santa. Yeah. I am so jealous of that old fuck. He gets all the credit. You know, I go out, I'm wheeling around shopping. By the way, there are tons of people that love the After the Whistle show, by the way. And I mean, like, tons of people. Men, women, children. I mean, there, it's, it's unbelievable how many people stopped me when I was wheeling around. Obviously, walked around no hat, so everybody knew it was me. 
six four just cruising through the mall i i swear to god it was it was i got stopped in every store that i went in yeah i'm not even i'm, I'm and i'm not even I, bragging i think it's you it's, are bragging a little bit but go I ahead i love it no i'm just saying it was it, it's a testament to it's a testament to us but like and people don't even identify me as a saber anymore. Although I've learned my demographic for you know our fan base and and people that remember us playing. All the people that stop me that remember me when I when they were kids are all between the ages of twenty eight and thirty six. Yeah, like that's that's the demographic. Every time someone stops me, I'm like, "How old are you?" Those guys are like, "I'm twenty nine. I'm like, "Yeah, fuck, I know exactly how old you were." in 0506 and 0607 because i've done the math on all this yeah right so any kid that was 10 plus years old in 2000 or even nine that was nine plus in in the in the year 05 okay they yeah. all know about the sabers because they we were so good so in their glory years but anyway my point is I digress I will, I, I will just say this. I will just add to what you were saying. It's amazing that you're bringing this up on the podcast. Um, but I had the exact same experience as what you're, there's a lot of people that are really enjoying the podcast. And, and that for me, this is the only reason why I do it. And I know that you do it. We love hockey. It's been ultimately my entire life from a very young age um, and the journey that I had to take and you had to take and so many others had to take, but now that the game is over for me, um, I see things with a different perspective and I love talking. I love talking Sabres. I'm a Sabres fan. Like, you know, I played for 12 years in Montreal. I was drafted by the Montreal Canadians. I only played three years here in Buffalo, but I will tell you that deep down, I'm a Buffalo Sabres fan. I love yeah. watching the Sabres. So not all last night, out not there this that, year. That listen, thank you very much. Well, you can't say you love watching the Sabres. I'm sorry to, to yeah. So thank you to everybody who listens. I guess that's kind of where you were going, and I don't want to go and go go negative right now. I don't want to do that. All I was saying, this whole thing started with the fact that I'm jealous of Santa because my kid opens up one of his gifts and goes like he just goes nuts. And I gave it from Santa, and I contemplated the night before as I'm rapping, and I'm like, do I give this from me, or do I give this from Santa? Do you know what it was? What did I send you the picture of? Oh, the old Rodman jersey. The Dennis Rodman jersey. <laughs> he opened that thing up, man, and he went absolutely nuts. And I'm just like, fucking Santa. Fucking Santa. Oh, and I'm done with the elf, too. This is going to be the last year for the elf, Craig. I can't handle this guy slept in the same spot for about a week. You know, when you're out in the ice and you take a big check and the next day you feel all sore and you don't feel well, but when you're injured in a car crash, don't let the insurance company skate off without paying what you deserve. Call Salino at 800-555-5555. Looking for something to do New Year's Eve? Seneca Resort and Casinos is the place for an unforgettable New Year's Eve experience. Partying on the casino floors and enjoying incredible food and drink specials, hot slots and table games, DJs, live music, and an epic final countdown to midnight. Dining specials at all restaurants at all properties. For more details, go to SenecaCasinos.com. We'll see you New Year's Eve. A lot of good feedback on the Ted Nolan conversation. I, I really liked our conversation with him. Yeah, I really appreciated him coming on. And then it leads me to something that happened today. So I'm sitting here watching the NHL network. I It sucks that I even have to say that I'm watching the NHL network because it's so bad, but it's the only place to really get hockey coverage. And I see Pat LaFontaine on there. And he's doing an interview. And it just, he was talking about concussion helmets and stuff. And he was holding up this helmet. Um, I don't know what it was called, and I, I, I don't even believe that the technology in a concussion helmet is even possible, but we'll see where this goes. My point to it was, though, I just think we just had Ted Nolan on. Now I'm seeing Pat LaFontaine on TV, and I just think this guy could have been the spokesperson for our franchise here in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Just a classy, classy guy 
a true gentleman in every sense of the word. Just frustrating. It's so frustrating. It's disappointing to even just reminisce down that path because here we are all these years later, and you're not going to like what I have to say about the Sabres game last night, so remind me that I just said that. But here we are all these years later, and things are even worse than they were then when he was here. It's just... It's just it's frustrating to see. That's all. That's all I have to say. So it's just you know go. Yeah, I can. I can. I can understand how you feel when you see him because the first thing that comes to the your your mind as a Sabers, um, former Sabers player for the organization, but also a fan of this team, is you think to yourself what what could have happened. Well, that's the second thing. The first thing is the fact that I I was the draft pick that was in that the Sabres got in return for Lafontaine. But then, secondly, it's like, what could it have been? Yeah, there you go. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. You deserve that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, been shit on for that one, but go, carry on. No, I just just reiterating what you're saying. Um, it's about what could have been. Yeah, and here what we are. Have we been. have the same dog shit product now that we did, and but the. The thing is, though, and I didn't want to say that. See, I wasn't going to say that because I have a different opinion on the game last night. So, you know what? It, it just this team is not what it. it when you it, say it, when you say dog shit product, like can you can you at least give me, you know, I don't I don't believe that this team is in the same situation as what it was five years ago and ten years ago. Um, the, the team has changed, and. You know, we've gone through multiple rebuilds. What I mean by the multiple rebuilds is every time you bring in a GM, a GM has a different philosophy, a different thought, and they move towards what they're trying to accomplish. So it's almost like once you have a new GM, you're starting all over again. And we've done that multiple times in the last 13 years. Um, I will say that, you know, Kevin Adams um, has been in a situation where the team before he came here, before Kevin Adams even got the team, the team was horrendously bad, which acquired top end picks. So Kevin Adams is, is at least looking at his team and enjoying what the future looks like. Maybe not necessarily what's having right now, but the future is bright for the Sabres. Whether you, whether you think positively about what's happening this season, which I don't think there's really any Sabres fan on the planet that's thinking positive, but if you think outside, your, outside the box, there are a lot of positives when you talk about the Sabres, just not necessarily what's happening currently on the ice right now. Like for an example, um, yesterday... Yari Kulich went and scored a hat trick in the game against Norway. Wow. Wow. Norway. Powerhouse of the World Juniors, are they? Yep. All right. Well, listen, I mean, glass go. half We're full, go. glass We're... half empty. I'm yeah, just going to say. I'm not going to go in and hang my hat on Yari Kulich scoring a hat trick on fucking Norway in the World Juniors to brighten my day about a team that Can you can't show up, on that a, cannot show up kid? to play, that cannot show up to play a goddamn game. Okay. That's it. That's, that's what it comes down to. Now, what I was going to say to you was. Um, I thought we took five I'm, days off to. Uh, to try and let go of Why our neg negativity. Well, we should have done a show after the Leaf game because I mean, what a what a this that's the problem with this fucking team. Let's just rewind to the Leaf game for a minute. You lose nine four to Columbus, then you come back and beat the Leafs nine three. Then you then then what? Then you lose to the Rangers in overtime. Then you get a Christmas break, and then you come back, and you come out. In the first period, and look like you're—I I don't even—I don't even want to throw a try to be funny here. They just look terrible. And what I was going to say was, a lot of people out there don't realize, and and maybe this is me being an excuse maker, an apologist, but for some teams and some players, maybe not all, the first game back after Christmas break isn't exactly the easiest. 
Just like the just like the for who though? Do you uh, let me ask you this question? You you played in the league long enough and understand this that those couple days, um, the couple days that you have off, and then you have the twenty six for a practice day, travel, and then teams playing the twenty seventh. Those days are harder on older players, much harder on older players than it, than they are on the younger ones. I truly believe that. And we're the youngest team in the league, so we're the youngest team in the league, which is okay. kind of like that's kind of where. Okay, so that's a know, backwards. I'm theory thinking then. my theory is backwards, and I can admit <laughs> that my theory doesn't hold any water. Do you agree with that, though? Well, Do you agree with what to, I'm saying, Greg? I swear to God, I was just trying to find any reason to not shit on the team because of the Christmas break, and I thought it would buy us some time. But then you rewind and you think about the Leaf game and you think about the Ranger game and you're just kind of like, what? like, you know, when I sit here and talk, Don Granado, stop using the word grit. He used the word grit so many times last night. Don, your team does not understand what grit means. So if you preach grit to them, they're not going to get it. Sorry, they're not. There's not. It's grit. I know what a toad drag is. Backhand sauce, you mean? Backhand sauce? Is that what grit is? Toe drag. Bar down. Is that grit? We're skilled, all right. If I were Don Granado, I'd fucking quit. Because this guy has to stand. I swear to God, he has to be. Like, do you think Kevin Adams told him, do not sewer any player ever in a press conference. Do you think he said that? Because Don Granado has never said a bad word about any one player, like it or not. Yeah. He is he you don't think he should say something about Owen Powers feather pass last night? You don't think he should say something about the defensive zone coverage, certain players missing assignments? I I mean, what are we what are we talking about here? You brought up a national broadcast, Henrik Lundquist comments. Scorched the team. And that was night. that was well over a month ago. So what did Henry Lundquist say? Do you do you remember? Can you kind of recite what they're talking about? What he was talking about? It was it, it came along more along the lines of like how they're they were playing, and this is not a rebuild anymore. This is just guys that don't know how, how to how to level, win. How compete. it's a mindset, it's a mindset thing. And then what and then were they you fast forward? Right? Yeah, then you fast, fast forward. forward. They basically Kobe Armstrong, who is longtime player. I I hated hated playing against Kobe Armstrong, and he would be a perfect. I mean, the absolute perfect player because he's not a fighter. He was an agitator. He hit everything in sight. He was gritty, um, borderline dirty. Had had that about him, and they loved him in Pittsburgh, and everybody who played against him hated him with a passion and he was speaking about this team last night where again the same sediment that Henrik Lundqvist talked about a month ago watching this team how they're just they're soft the way they play the game is they do not compete they don't have they don't have the battle in them like I mean, when you look at the lineup, there's a lot of skilled hockey players. You know, you can go J.J. Paterka, Victor Olsen, Jeff Skinner, Casey Middlestat, um, Jack Quinn, you know, Zach Benson. It's like you can go through the team and there is a tremendous amount of skill. But skill does not win you hockey games in the NHL. Skill does not win games. You, I, I, I've said this, and we've talked about this before, that you have to be a battle-tested one-on-one type player, and that's not fighting. That's not. It's not about even hitting. It's about winning small area one-on-one battles because the entire game, the entire NHL game, if you sit there and break it down into small, tiny segments in a shift, there's puck movement and there's one-on-one battles all over the ice. And we lose far more battles than we win. And how were our special teams last night? Don't want to go there. Don't want to hurt any fucking feelings. Don't want anyone's wives to want to run me over with vehicles. But 
power play sucks. The penalty kills sucked. And uh, as simple as that. So if you don't like that, then, I mean, don't watch the games. Because that's where, yeah. where we're at right now. Special, yeah. You know that season's... Zero, zero for six on the power play. Okay, and what was the penalty kill? What was and what they was, and hold on, <laughs> what were they? Boston, three for four? were they? Three Boston for four? was three for four, seventy-five percent yeah. on the power play. Mm-hmm. We had six opportunities, and we didn't score a goal. Oh, I love Tage, but I even Tage can't save that gap. It's a bad situation. This team had way higher expectations. See who won last night? See who won around the league? Everybody won above them. Every, with the exception of one team, I can't remember who it was, but they were playing. Uh, the Islanders lost to Pittsburgh, like seven nothing or six nothing or something. And then that, you know, all those. Well, I don't think I don't think this team, like as as a, as a fan, person that watches this team every single game they play, um, I don't think I'm at a a thought process right now that that playoffs are even remotely in, in sight. I think, I think the playoffs literally, I'm not even joking. Like, I don't even know, like, I don't even want a high draft pick. There were so many years I've had, I've listened to radio shows. I've listened to other podcasts. I've listened to people talk about, you know, being in a situation and, and my, my thought Back, you know, eight years ago, my thought in my mind was not, not, I don't like the word tank, but I don't want to win games because if you lose games, you're in a situation that you can acquire elite high end talent, which if you look at the other teams around the national hockey league, they've all flourished from super high talent. So I'm okay with not, I don't like the word tanking, but I've, I've liked the word where you have to go through some, no, no, you, no, no, you don't like the word tanking anymore because you were in favor of it. And here we are now all these years later. And I am, I was definitely in favor. I was in favor of it. And I will, I will, I will say that I, I I, I really do a few episodes ago. So let's not relive that conversation, but I know what you're saying. You don't want a high draft pick because you wanted the team to actually be better we are so far beyond tanking anymore or being okay. Like Chicago Blackhawks right now are totally okay with losing. They acquired Connor Bedard, possibly a generational talent. When you, when I say generation, it, it it still needs to play itself out a little bit. Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby. Those are generational talents. You have Connor Bedard. That was the first overall pick and he is single-handedly going to change the trajectory of the Chicago Blackhawks for years to come, but he can't do it by himself. So what's happening right now is where are they in the league right now? Didi? Where's Chicago Um, Blackhawks in the league right now? Well, they're at the bottom. They're at the bottom. And, and they're going to suck for not only this year, where they're probably going to acquire a top three NHL pick, depending on the draft lottery. Um, they're going to pick very high. And guess what? They're going to pick very high in the next draft too. So you're going to start to see the Chicago Blackhawks in a three to five year plan. They are going to be extremely, extremely competitive. We've been doing this. We did a a plan with uh, Jack Eichel, which was what seven eight years ago. Sam Reinhart, the year before Jack Eichel, that we picked second. That was supposed to be the rebuild, but that didn't work. It didn't go right because we lost for what five years, and those players literally lost their minds. By the way, Reinhart two goals last night. Twenty one now. Twenty one goals, forty two points. He's plus fifteen. Don't sidetrack. Carry on. Now we traded away those players. And we're starting another rebuild. We're starting the Rasmus Dahlin, the Owen Power, the Dylan Cousins. You know, now all of a sudden we're into Tage that Thompson. rebuild. Well, Tage was a trade. Yeah. But Casey Middlestat was yeah. in that era. So we have this, this era of players 
Don't forget Dylan Cousins, Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterka. Okay, so we have all these players. This is it. This should be an extremely good hockey team. But let me ask you something. Hold on. How was there more to your point? Because I want to just make something clear. How many first round picks in history don't work out? Every year there are draft picks where guys will play a couple Lots. few hundred games and they just they just don't pan out to 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 their projections. Yeah. Who's to yep. why do we have 13 guys that are all going to work? Fucking why do we have all these first round picks and they're all going to work because they're all playing in the league right now. It's a facade. This is smoke and mirrors right now. You know why? Because there are fourth round draft picks that end up being guys that are way better than first round picks in their draft year. So it's not just about first and second round picks. Yeah, you're getting the best players in the draft at their time. But what happens five, six years after that is key. And some of these guys, no offense, just aren't going to work. They aren't working. And maybe we're at that point. Well, I will say this, that, um, or they're just, oh, we have all the best ones, I guess that's, and that's the theory. And we just have to ride it out because patience is a virtue and it's, let's throw another cliche word out that we've heard around here in Buffalo for quite some time. And the other side of the Pagula franchise is process. Are you unhappy with Tage Thompson? Absolutely not. Second best. Are you unhappy? Are you unhappy with his contract? Absolutely not. Okay, so are you unhappy with Jeff Skinner? Yes. By the way, speaking of Skinner, do you know someone messaged us again last night saying laziest player will go down as the laziest player in Sabre history, surpassing Billy Leno? Uh, okay, let's. Uh... Everyone's preaching when he yells at guys. He's always yapping on the bench. Well, you know what? He has to. He has to do that. He has to. It's. It's. He's compensating for what he's not doing on the ice. Is he yapping on the bench? to the players that he's playing with, or is he constantly complaining to the uh, referees? I don't, I don't know. Could be everything. Could be a combination. Something of all to of think it. about, right? Um, so we, we look at Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner had a beautiful year last year. If you go look at Jeff Skinner's, um, his, his what, 12 years, 13 years, he's played in the National Hockey League. He has scored an ungodly amount of goals. I saw, I saw a statistic the other day that we're, they're talking about the most goals scored since like 2015 or something like that. And the only guys ahead of them were Ovechkin, uh, Pasternak, uh, Matthews, Sidney Crosby, and Pavelski and Pavelski, like mind blowing, mind blowing players. And Jeff Skinner literally is right there with them. The problem that I go back to it with, with Skinner is how he plays the game. There's no question that he is going to produce. He is a very offensive player. He's been an offensive player since he was playing back at in the Toronto Marlboros uh, when he was playing youth hockey. He's a stud. He's always been an offensive stud. Offense does not win you championships. Offense does not win you games. Defense wins you games. If you have offensive players like Jeff Skinner and you get into their minds that they need to play defense just as hard as they do offense, then you're, you've got a winning. Which, got which a winning. brings me to my next point when you say that is, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure. And who am I to question? I understand that, but I, I'm I'm I need I always feel like I need to preface my points with that. I don't think I like how they're using Owen Power at all. You know, there's a point where there's a neutral zone transition, and he's posted up as if he's a winger. I I, I don't get it. Like they go they go D to D, but it wasn't D to D. It was D to a forward. And then Owen Power was on the other side of the red line, posted up by the penalty box. So I think it had to have been the third period. I'm sure yeah. they were trying to press for some offense, but I mean, you have other players that you can use. I mean, I watched last night. Owen me, Power. Owen, to me, Owen first Power, on the forecheck. Yeah, to me, when Owen Power is is has the puck skating toy, I don't feel like he's a threat ever. 
to ever to go one on one or end to end or anything. Darlene, another thing. Owen Power, not so much. So I don't understand the use of this guy. He's not that kind of defenseman. I don't think we know exactly what we're getting in Owen Power yet. I think he is so young. He's so immature in his game that um, he has so many, uh, he has so many things, so many things that he does well, his skating, the size of that man and the way that he skates, he has the ability to move pucks. He's extremely talented, but right now, uh, I can say this that I don't agree with how they're how they're utilizing him, and I don't agree with the thought process coming from probably Don Granado because he's the only one that's allowing this defenseman to roll. I and I use that word rover. I've used that word last year when I watched Owen Power. I'm like, I would like to I would like to use the word structurally sound when talking about Owen Power. If Owen Power plays the game and his job, what is Owen Power's number one job? Uh, I feel like this is a trick question, but this I feel is like it's not also, a trick but I, question. But I feel like it's also so easy. I It's a very defense. simple question. Play, Say it again. To oh, play his job is to play defense? <laughs> That's not what they're fucking telling him, man. I can guarantee goddamn it. I bet my friggin' life on it. Because the way that he plays is so sporadic. It is off the chart. When you've got Matias Samuelson, who go back and look at the last fucking 10 years of Matias Samuelson's um, career. He is not an offensive player. At all. Like, I mean, at all. And he's fucking up the ice half the time. I don't know whether he's Owen Power behind the net in the offensive zone or, or Matthias Samuelson. Matthias, worry about your job. And that is to defend and be physical and nasty and hard to play against against the best players in the game. That's your right. job. Your job where is, is not this, to, Where is your this job message is coming not, from? Your job is not to add offense. Where is this message coming from? We have so much offense on this team. Where is this message coming from? Uh, am I wrong in saying this? Am I wrong in saying that when I watch our defense, every are single you, one looks are, like they're... Are you ignoring my question? What's your question, Andrew? I've asked you four times now. Okay, what is it? Where is the message coming from? 1,000% it's coming from Don Granato. He is no the head chance. coach, and he is nope. the one that is nope. basically telling these players nope. to play this style. I think Kevin Adams is telling him how to coach. No. Okay. No. Okay. I don't believe that. I really don't believe that well, because Kevin I, Adams, no, no Kevin fucking, Adams was there's a no way. There's no way a coach allows this to continue. There's no way a coach doesn't adjust to what is happening and how bad your team has been playing. There's there's no possible way. There's no possible way a general manager would allow this to continue unless it's coming from the general manager. Because the, to me, this is this isn't even hockey. This is shinny. Yes, it is. It's this is shinny, shinny hockey. It's shinny it's hockey. Shinny. So I don't know I don't know what or who is is telling the players to do what or where the message is coming from. I don't think Kevin Adams. You know who Charlie McAvoy is? Oh yeah, could have drafted him. Don't even. That's a sore spot. Don't even start with uh, McAvoy or Sergachev. Okay. I will. I will that just doesn't fall this. on this regime. So you, on. so you know who Charlie McAvoy is? He makes nine and a half million dollars. He is considered a top ten defenseman. In the National Hockey League, top ten, top five, top five. I wouldn't. For sure. I don't. I would not put him in the top five. Okay. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't put him in the top five. But well, he's. Let me guess. You have. He's you have, anywhere you have from when Hughes in there before you have uh, Charlie McAvoy, right? He's anywhere from probably five to ten, depending on 
how you how you see him. All I'm going to say is when I watch Charlie McAvoy and I watch him play on a team that every single one of their forwards and all of their defense play to not get scored on. Go and watch Boston play. Go and watch them play in the last 20 years. They're the same thing. They care about defense. You look at Charlie McAvoy, he gets up the ice. He's an offensive defenseman. He puts up, what, 60, 60 points a year, okay? When you watch him play, and if I were to ask him a simple question, what is your job, it would take less than a second for him to say, I'm out there to defend. That is my job. My job is to defend. And I'd be sitting there going, whoa, hold on, Charlie. Hold on. But you're you're an offensive defenseman. And he would say, no, I'm not. I'm a two-way defenseman. I defend to the best of my abilities at all times throughout the game. I don't take chances. I don't give up two-on-ones. I'm not leading the rush. I'm not behind the fucking net in the offensive zone. He defends. He allows his forwards. He distributes the puck. He joins the play, but he's never leading it. And he defends. You ask the questions, why are we being scored on? Because we're easy to play against. We have, we have, we need to change the mindset. And that's just my opinion. Okay. Don Granado very simply feels something different. He's like, I have so much talent right now that we're going to win games by scoring goals. We're going to, I'm not going to stifle these players. I want them to flourish and learn as they make these mistakes. And we're going to be a better team for it. No, you're not. Can I no, tell you? Because we're going to be quote. in the same position two years from now. Can I tell you a quote? And you can tell me if we leave this in or take it out. But can you tell me, can I tell you a quote that a player on the team currently said about Don Granado currently? Not to me. So take it for what it's worth. Someone involved in hockey was speaking to one of the players and said, what's going on down there? And 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 the person asked about Don Granado, and the player's response was, Donnie's great. We love Donnie. He's just lacking confidence right now. So if the players are detecting confidence issues from the coach, is that an issue? I think it's the biggest issue. That's that's I I don't like hearing that. That's an alarming issue because you know he is the leader of the pack. His assistant coaches, um, all of them who have not coached in the NHL before, are going to feel what Donnie brings, the confidence that Don brings, and they are going to share his message. Now the team, the team right Hard now. Hard to believe in a coach's message if the coach doesn't believe in his own message. Well, maybe he does believe in the message, but the message isn't working right now. And time to time to deliver a new message. Well, that's not for you to say. That's not okay. for Don, I Don Granato. I wasn't talking about a new coach. Say, I was saying di different message. T start, try something, try something different. Change it right. up. I didn't say coach. I didn't say fire. Much so. I didn't say anything. I, 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 it was, it was on Don that I was saying it to, but let's be honest here, man. I would have fired Don after they beat the Leafs nine to three. That is a complete kick in the fucking teeth. You lose to Columbus 9-4, but then you're so embarrassed that you come out and play that way against the Leafs? And I thought they played all right against the Rangers. But let's not mistake anything. Then you come out and look like that against Boston. And I was going to let him off the hook at the start of the show. 
because of the Christmas break. But then I saw LaFontaine on the fucking TV, and then I just got really angry. What makes me more angry than anything is listening to Henrik Lundqvist basically rip this team because there's 30, there's 32 teams in this league. And I'm listening to Henrik Lundqvist sit on a panel, and in between periods, he could talk about other games, but he decides to talk about the Sabres. And he just verbally abuses this this organization and it it that what that's what irritates me what irritates me is is what people perceive the buffalo sabers to be around around the nhl it's like what's the laughing that? stock of the league yeah. right now yeah it's a joke like you have it's the chicago an, blackhawks that joke. sit in last place they sit in last place they're not the Buffalo Sabres and Anaheim Ducks. They're in second last place, but guess what? They're not the Buffalo Sabres. The Sabres need to get their shit together. And it's tough as Sabres fans to continue to watch lackluster, non-emotional hockey. You can disguise being a cheap owner by paying the players a lot of money and giving long-term contracts. But you can't disguise being cheap by having a penny on the dollar front office. And until this owner decides to open his wallet and start paying people that know how to put the product on the ice that they need and to fill the stands and not have them boo, this franchise is going nowhere. The worst part about all of this is I really enjoyed taking a couple days away um, and just not talking hockey, but it's it's damn near impossible. It's absolutely impossible for me. I go to the grocery store. I get in a conversation. Someone says, oh, I would love to podcast. And we start talking. And, you know, I always enjoy talking to people. And it's it's negative. There's nothing positive. And then I go to the hockey rink and I drop my son off and I go watch practice and I'm sitting there with eight dads and they're like, what the hell? Like, what is going on? And then we have to give our opinions there and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like everywhere I'm on text chains with friends and it's just constant negativity on top of all of the stuff that we, we do here in the pod. And it's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting because you know, myself as a fan, I know you, we want this to turn around. And I don't know what the right answer is. Because Kevin Adams knows this team better than anybody. He knows Don Granato as a person. He knows all of the assistant coaches as people and what they do on a daily basis. He knows the players and how they they interact in the environment. And he's the one who's going to have to make the tough decisions to put this team together. And I'm not sure right now there's the right makeup on this team. We know that, but, but we were called dinosaurs when we said that there's too many of the same players. You guys are fucking dinosaurs. You guys are fucking dinosaurs. Oh, man. How you like us now? Now it's all over the national broadcast. It's not just us saying it. So how you like us now? I love being right. I love delayed gratification. There's it just there's nothing better than when you just sit tight and you know, like even at the start of the year, I'm like, there's no way this team's going to be fucking good. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to preach positivity. I'm going to say, this is the year. This is the year. This is the year. No, it's not the fucking year. And it's never going to be the year until you start getting some players in here that actually play with some grit, Don. To play with some grit. You can't ask players to to play it's with not grit. A, it's not only just the players that you have to bring in, though, Petey. It's it's. You have to, on this team, you have to challenge the players. You can't trade 
six forwards. You can't get rid of five D. You you can't just oh well, we need we need better from the outside. No, Tom, there needs to be accountability. Tom Granato has said that there's a lot of accountable players in the locker room. That's yeah. complete bullshit. And sitting players is punishment. The same, they don't want to punish players. Watching the same shit over and over, man. And I'm going to tell you this: it we can't go and tra- we have acquired and drafted these players, these super high-end, talented players, but they need to be taught how to play an an entire game, a full game, to round out their highly skilled play. They have to play and be taught how to play the proper way, how to win games. Some tough love in that dressing room, in practice, during games, Don Granado should be a feared man walking around that dressing room. And I don't think he is. I don't think he is. I think he's there to support. It's not about supporting anymore. Supporting was two years ago when, when this team was in shambles and picking first overall and picking Owen power and everything's, you know, Oh, we got another first overall pick. You know, he's going to look great with Rasmus Dahlin and blah, blah, blah. The point is, it is now to start, you need to keep these players accountable. If they are continuing to make mistakes, the same mistakes over and over and over and over again, things need to change. I don't feel any of that from anybody on this coaching staff. I don't feel like anybody tiptoes around anybody on this coaching staff. There are times where it needs to happen. But are you kidding me? The stars run the show around here. The stars on the team run the show. The players run. Can you have a 20-year-old star? Cage, Tuck, Skinner. Cousins, Darlene. You think they're going to tell tell Owen Power, the first overall pick, what to do? I think they're going to say, you need to take your shit and get it together. You need to calm down your game. Your game is to defend and keep goals out of our net. That's what your job is. But we can also, you can also, you can also add to your game. Okay. But right now, I mean, there needs to be a mindset. And I don't think that this is where, again, we, we talk and sitting there saying for almost 10 years now, that we lack grit in our lineup. And now all of a sudden, 10 years, this is the first year that I have heard so many people not call me a dinosaur, not call me a meat stick. And they're actually looking at our team going, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, The point is the people are starting to come around and change their tune. What, What my point is this though. Yes, there needs to be a few changes, and I say a few changes, but ultimately you need to get what we have in this lineup. We need to get them to to get out of their comfort zone and play the right way. It's like if Jeff Skinner doesn't want to get in a shooting lane in the defensive zone and just a free shot goes on net, and then two seconds later it's in the net, he should not play the rest of the game. I don't care how many goals he's going to score. There needs to be a standard, and the standard is not very high in Buffalo What do you right think now. Jeff Skinner would say to Don Granado if he sat him? Honest to God, what do you think? He'd, I think he would honestly, I think he'd probably tell him to fuck off. Wouldn't care. I think Don cares about these players. I don't question that one bit. I know he cares right? about these players. I think he cares about these players. I think he loves being the head coach of this team. I think he he is dealing with such a young group of hockey players that he's kind of has mixed emotions on how he's supposed to coach the team. It's the first time since he's been head coach that he's had pressure. All the other years were just like, holy shit, Don, you're doing the greatest job ever because... These guys don't suck anymore. We're seeing signs of life in this team. But this year, 
This year was the first year that this team's had expectations on top of them. And, you know, listening to his quotes and, and, and his talk at the end of every single game, it's, we're what, 34, 35 games into a season and nothing's changed. That's the only thing that irritates me is I would like to see after Don watching this many games and watching them lose how they lose that at some point he would be making a tough decision because if we're going to lose, I'm going to lose with the guys that are going to show that they care. And if you're going to sit there and go pout because I'm giving you tough love, then you don't deserve to be here either. It's a very good hockey team that's underachieving right now. I guess we'll end it on that. Thanks for listening. After the Whistle, presented by Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino. Nothing else comes close. Did not want to be this negative today. We doing a show tomorrow? I think we're going to take a couple days off to uh, regroup. We done. And we're, uh, we'll be back on uh, January 2nd. <laughs> okay. All right. Tomorrow's a day off. Uh, be safe, yeah. everyone. Enjoy your new year. And uh, go Sabres. If this is our last show before the new year, Sabres play two more games. Saturday at home to Columbus, Sunday in Ottawa. Those have to be wins. They have to be wins. Not good efforts, not anything else. These have to be wins. Yeah, I would agree with that. If this team doesn't show, if they don't show up for those two games, Maybe you start the new year with a new coach. Both those two teams are behind you. And I'll tell you this. If they lose those two games, then for the very first time, I will say that Don Granato, there there needs to be a new leader in that dressing room to lead this team. This will be a very, very big telltale sign. Columbus, Ottawa. That's it.